Welcome to the Her God Speaks podcast special Tuesday feature called Hermeneutics Tuesdays. Yes, that's Tuesdays with an H, where we are seeking to become better interpreters of the Bible one 10-minute episode at a time. I'm your host, April Spears. Let's learn stuff together. Before we get into the good stuff, I want to let you know that you can get a copy of the transcripts for this episode and future Hermeneutics Tuesday episodes by subscribing to my Substack newsletter. If you're not familiar with Substack, it's basically like a blog that goes directly to your inbox. Or you can download the app and um, any Substack newsletters you subscribe to will go to a nice little library in your Substack app. Uh, it's free. Yeah, you, you can upgrade to a paid subscription and help support the work that I do here at Her God Speaks, but a regular subscription is free. You can get these transcripts delivered to your inbox for free. Just go to aprilsweers.substack.com. There is an E at the end of my name, A-P-R-I-L-E-S-W-E-E-R-S. Uh, or better yet, just click the easy link in the show notes. You can get uh, to the Substack subscription thing there as well. Just put in your email address, hit the little button, and you're good to go. All right, friends, today we are going to bring this mini series in for a landing with the third and final reason why the Bible is not a love letter. Now, throughout my many years in church, I have heard and said quite often that the Bible is God's love letter to us. But as I have developed a better understanding of what the Bible is and what it's for, I've come to realize that the Bible as a love letter idea is actually a hindrance to sound hermeneutics. Just a reminder, hermeneutics is the big fancy word for interpretation or determining what a passage means. Well, let's start with a little review of where we've been so far in our Bible is not a love letter series. The first reason I presented that the Bible is not a love letter is love letters are written to a person, but the Bible was written to a people. Now, in that episode, I talked about how we tend to read the Bible through a very individualistic lens, but that it was actually written to be read and lived out by faith communities, groups of people. If we don't understand that the Bible is a we book, not a me book, there's a 100% chance we will misinterpret passages to suit our own personal wants and needs. Now, we don't do this intentionally. It's just the byproduct of filtering a corporate text through an individualistic lens. A lot of important things are not going to come through. The second reason the Bible is not a love letter is this. Love letters flatter, but the Bible forms and informs. In the last episode, we acknowledged that in light of what we expect to find in a love letter, the Bible is actually the very worst love letter of all time. Those sappy, sentimental verses we plaster all over our coffee mugs and wall art make up a very small percentage of scripture. In fact, a lot of the Bible is deeply unsentimental. 
I mean, nobody's putting genealogies, Old Testament laws about bodily fluids, or the gory descriptions of what happens to God's enemies in any greeting cards. Not any greeting cards I know of. (laughs) If you're reading the Bible every day, and you're reading it properly, like in its context, with a proper hermeneutical method, more days than not, you're not going to feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Now, if you were reading a love letter, that would be a big problem. But the Bible is not a love letter. Some days you just learn stuff. But as you read, study, and meditate on it consistently over time, and as you seek to live it out with other believers, it slowly but surely forms you into a person who thinks and acts more and more like Jesus, whether you get a Bible buzz or not. Well, that brings us to the third and final reason why the Bible is not a love letter. Here it is. Love letters are one-dimensional, but the Bible is multidimensional. Now, this one is kind of a regurgitation of the first two. I am fully aware of that, but I think it's worth including. So love letters have one aim, and that's to communicate how much the author adores the recipient. Now, there's plenty of that in the Bible. Literally from the very first chapter, we see how much God delights in humanity, so much so that he collaborates with humans to fill the whole world with his glory. He didn't have to do that, nor did he have to be so dang generous. In every other ancient Near Eastern creation narrative, the gods create humans as a labor force. It's all about what the humans can do for the gods. But in the biblical narrative, it isn't like that at all. The God of the Bible is completely satisfied in himself. He doesn't need anything. He creates a world that's perfectly designed for humans to flourish. He provides for their every need. He is the giver in the story. The father heart of God and the extravagance of his love for humans is on display from the very beginning and continues through the whole Bible. He even becomes a human himself. God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. There's a collect in the book of Common Prayer that says this, Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made. What an amazing thing. Considering our idolatry and what we do to his world and to each other, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But he loves us, you guys. And if that's the one thing a person takes away from their reading of scripture, they've done well. I, for one, am going to celebrate that. However... If we want a proper understanding of what the Bible as a whole means, if we want to interpret passages accurately, we cannot treat it as a one-dimensional love note because it has so much more to communicate about God and his ways and about us in our ways than the love letter mindset can contain. And here's why this is really important to me. 
Christian women have been conditioned to not concern themselves with anything beyond the sentimental when it comes to engaging the Bible. We've been conditioned to leave the heavy theological lifting to the men while we sit around and talk about how beautiful we are to God. This really bothers me, you guys. I get so tired of Christian publishers and ministries assuming that women only want to engage their hearts. Excuse me, but we have brains too, and we enjoy using them. In fact, both men and women have been commanded to love the Lord our God with all our minds. The Bible as a love letter idea has the potential to hinder anyone from seeing and exploring the multidimensional, multi-layered, rich, textured contours of the biblical text. But women in particular have the most to gain from shedding the Bible as a love letter idea. If you think of the Bible as the Grand Canyon, Zion, Yosemite, or some some other epic national park. Most resources created for women keep us in the gift shop, looking at all the cute little souvenirs when there's a whole stinking park full of the most epic, exciting, mind-blowing beauty imaginable, waiting just right there, just right outside the gift shop, waiting to be explored. And I decided years ago, ain't nobody keeping me in the gift shop anymore. I've got my backpack and my hiking shoes. I got my own pictures to take, my own experiences to have. And I am determined to read this Bible for all it's worth. I want to see and learn all the things, all the dimensions, all the layers, all the contours. And I sure am thankful to have this Her God Speaks community as my hiking partners. All right. Well, that's all I have for you today. I will be back, Lord willing, next Tuesday with another episode of Hermeneutics Tuesday. Bye, friends. Bye.